In December of 2017, I had just run the Berkeley Half Marathon, and I had soared through the race. Now, in no way had I been competitive with the wider crowd of runners at all, but I didn't care. I was faster than I had ever been, and I was loving it. Three weeks later, my feet gave out. I didn't believe it at first. I was still convinced that I was invincible. It is a hard delusion to give up. But through a combination of predictable factors and some bit of mystery, I developed plantar fasciitis. Running was off the table, and, and actually walking any significant distance was out of reach. So began a winding path back towards the kind of mobility that I relished and had mostly taken for granted. I began with the standard course of action, endless stretching and those funny exercises, scrunching towels with your toes. I see nods, <laughs> yes. My feet would get better for a while and then tank again, ping-ponging back and forth. I slowly began to amass a collection of questionable torture devices, all in the name of healing. There's a, a foot wheel that, that promised a really good, extreme even, stretch. There was a, a ramp that I could put in the kitchen for the same purpose. Hard plastic boots that I could strap my feet into to stay flexed while I slept. Special shoes, special socks, special inserts. Of course, plantar fasciitis is in no way life-threatening. I was grateful for my otherwise healthy body, and yet I was taken aback by how finite this body was. Still, I expected that with some time and enough brute force, I would be able to wrench my feet back, insist that they carry me forward again. As I was walking around with our texts this week, I found my way into a book by Rachel Held Evans that's been released just recently. It was finished and carried to print by a friend of hers. She was a great theologian and teacher in the church who died when she was just 37, two years ago. Near the beginning of the book, she writes, It is nearly impossible to believe God shrinking down to the size of a zygote implanted in the soft lining of a woman's womb. God growing fingers and toes. God kicking and hiccuping in utero. She goes on to ask us to imagine this impossible thing. The physicality of God being born, of God learning to nurse, of 
God totally relaxed, eyes closed, his chubby little arms raised over his head in a posture of complete trust. As someone who has considered the Christ child rather extensively, I was surprised by how the image she painted made me stop fully and look again. Here is a soft infant God, fragile, so human. God, with with a floppy head, you must be sure to support. God, all brilliance and all power and all love, gathered up in complete vulnerability and absolute tenderness. When I close my eyes and listen again to the passage from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, the one we just heard earlier, this is the image that is still lighting on the back of my eyelids. Paul tells of this body of Christ and its many members, and I see the infant, his tiny fingernails, his belly round and soft, the fuzz still on his shoulders from when he was almost more fish than human. So often this passage in 1 Corinthians is read as being all about finding your gift and being tolerant of those who have wildly different gifts from you. Paul is writing to a young church that is struggling mightily. They are jockeying and weary and squabbling endlessly over all the ways they engage the world differently from each other. So to start with, he has a relatively straightforward word for them. You're all necessary. All different, and you all need each other. Appreciate it. Get along. And it's true. It's, it's also pretty relevant still today. But this week, I found myself being drawn deeper into the subtext of this letter, wondering about that body. What if this is not just about the gifts we've been given, each of us, and learning to love our neighbors in light of them? What if this is most basically about that holy body, about living as the incarnation together. Here is this infant God, tender, in need of all the care and love we can muster. Here, friends, you are this body. We all are, together. If that's true, it can be difficult to see and It is, I think, even easier to forget. Last spring, I was a good three and a half years into my quest to force my feet to heal, and I was by then heavy laden with all the contraptions and special shoes and more, and still my feet were iffy at best. I was walking our puppy and occasionally hiking in the hills and usually paying for it, afterwards. I was still not running. I mentioned something about it in passing to a friend, and she asked if she might help. 
My friend Phoebe works in a relatively new field called neuromovement, which essentially helps people to rewire their brains towards health. One of the primary principles is that this work is exceedingly gentle with movements that are small and light and intentionally kind to the body. I was really skeptical that it could make any difference. I was also fairly desperate and figured that I had little to lose. And so I met with Phoebe over Zoom and I listened and tried to follow her lead, even as I still thought on some level that the way forward should probably hurt if it was going to work. And I stayed skeptical, except that things began to shift. The pain in my feet began to subside. The distances I could hike began to stretch longer and longer. I I ditched the massive shoes. I put away the torture implements. And eventually I experimented with going barefoot for short stretches, which had been completely unimaginable a few months earlier. And then when the rains came this fall, and it was the only real option if I was to stay on the trails, I left my shoes at home and covered in thick mud, my feet were happy. What they needed, it seemed, was tenderness. God, the zygote, God, the infant, God, the exhausted child conked out on the rug, God, the weeping young man, this, the body of Christ, this, you, people stretched thin, kept apart, now chronically stressed out, riddled with short fuses, Can we see the body with such tenderness? What Phoebe taught me ever so patiently was not just how to heal, not just how to walk again, but how to gently be in my body again. And as I listened to Paul guiding that early church, and as I listened to all of us My hunch is that this is what we need as the body of Christ, with all our many fragile and wonderful and vulnerable parts. I think what we need is that tenderness. A friend recently asked why we keep crosses out all year long, reminding us of Easter, but generally pack away our creches, our nativity scenes, soon after Christmas. I didn't have a ready answer, but it seemed like a good question to consider. What if we kept them out all through the year, reminding us of our identity as people of the incarnation, of this God who chose to live among us in a body? The incarnation is not, after all, a one-shot thing. We mark Christmas. Yes, we celebrate the arrival of that holy child. And then we watch as 
Jesus grows and carries that wonder to all kinds of bodies, to people who have been broken down and pushed aside, to bodies that can't keep up any longer, to bodies that are so very hungry. And we offer ourselves, we step in as that body now, carrying Christmas into ordinary time, the day-in, day-out work of making God's love real to actual people. As we do this, as we meet this body in so many shapes, uttering so many ideas, blessing us, frustrating us, leaving us curious, I hope we can remember I hope we can reach to remember God, the vulnerable newborn. God, the clingy toddler. God, the grieving human. I hope we can remember and approach this body with the tenderness we need to be made whole.